just go straight through the art. Find a deck that looks and feels like it summons certain energy in you. Look for a thing that reminds you of your dreams. It reminds you of memories. It reminds you of certain quality of your life that you might describe as like, there's just something about that deck. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, and I'm excited to take you on a journey to reclaiming and reconnecting to your magic, the magic of your health, your wealth, and your soul's purpose. As a woman's wellness coach and business mentor, I've been coaching women for over 15 years, helping them rediscover their innate abilities to heal, to transform, and to manifest their deepest desires. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of inspiration and information, diving into the multifaceted approach of what it means to live to our fullest potential. Let's do this. This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, everybody. I hope your day is off to an amazing start. We are celebrating episode number 200 today, and I am so thankful to be here and to be doing this work and for you and our community and tuning in every week and sharing with your friends and family. It means so, so much to me. And I I initially was like, oh my God, it's episode 200. I have to do something different and something new and something really extraordinary. And I was like, first of all, I don't even have time in my schedule to think about that. (laughs) And secondly, just being with what is, is a celebration, right? 200 in and of itself is a celebration. And that was something for me to really just be present with. And, um, and so here we are, I'm being really present with this episode and I'm so thankful for it. And all the work and my team and everything that goes into this, it, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work behind the scenes. And I've definitely had some people ask about sharing a podcast episode, giving a behind the scenes of what it looks like to podcast and things to keep in mind and you know things that maybe people are unaware of or tips and strategies if you're thinking of starting your own podcast. So you can definitely dive into that in a future episode for sure. Um, but I definitely am not doing this on my own. There is a team behind here and I'm so grateful for them. I'm grateful for Soulfire Productions. I'm grateful for my team and my content director, Vanessa, and, you know, Nikki, who helps post everything up on our site. And we just have um, a lot of support. So I'm not here doing this by myself and you guys all play a role in it too. So I'm thankful for that and, you know, your role and supporting it and tuning in and sharing it. It really means so much. So here we are, episode 200. It's wild to think that we've got 200 episodes out there in the world. And I'm so grateful for your messages that I receive, like literally DMs all the time, sharing, you know, you guys share your stories with me and your transformations and what you've learned. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. That's, that's why this podcast is here to really bring about transformation. And I'm, I'm really thankful that I've maybe in some tiny, small way have played a role and been a part of your journey. So thank you for that. So today I am so damn excited, guys. I have Kim Kranz on the podcast today, and that makes for an amazing celebration for episode 200. She is a visionary artist, author, and creator of the New York Times bestseller, The Wild Unknown Tarot which was first self-published in 2012 and later rose to become a New York Times bestseller title 
now translated in 10 languages. Her occult-turned mainstream drawings can be spotted on tarot cards, handbags, books, snowboards, celebrity social feeds, and tattoos across the globe. A prolific creative influenced by a range of mystical traditions, Kim has published three oracle decks and guidebooks, one memoir, an interactive journal, and five children's books. She is also known for her work as a multimedia artist, filmmaker, and musician. And you can definitely bet I have like three tattoos lined up from her work because her artistry is just so beautiful and amazing. Um, Both Gaytan and I are very drawn to her art and um, I love her tarot deck so, so much. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a backstory of how I got my hands on one of her decks and how I've just been so connected to it. Um, So for me, it's very full circle to have her here today. Um, I really, I just love how the alignment happens and how it shows up in, in a way that we never even expected. And so last year when Gaten and I were on our honeymoon in BC, we were in Euclid and I mean, we were all over the place. We were traveling to like all the different islands and whatnot. And we were in Euclid and we are going on these epic hikes and all these different trails. There's obviously so much nature and so much to, to explore there. And so we are, you know, on these different hikes and everywhere we would go, there would just be these massive, massive slugs, like massive, like the kind that you definitely don't want to step on because it's going to be really, really messy. Um, And and you wouldn't want to hurt them either because they're massive. And so I kept seeing them everywhere. And it was like I was the only one seeing them. It was really strange. We would be on these hikes and people would be walking by. And I'd be like, oh my God, watch out, like watch out for the slug. You know, the slug is right there. Be careful. And they would just kind of look at me and then just keep walking. But it was like, no one was really paying attention. And there was just, I don't even know how many in a week that I kept seeing, but they kept appearing. And I was like, okay, I think this is a sign. I guess the slugs are telling me I need to slow down. And so funny enough, so park that to the side. So that happened with the slugs. A couple days later, we are in this really cute store and I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me. And it's this very like eclectic store selling like really unique like jewelry and some like home decor and like body care products, like really cool stuff. And so we go into the store and I look over to the side and there's this bookshelf and right there on the bookshelf is the animal spirit guidebook, the, the tarot deck. And I see this on the shelf and I like beeline for it, grab it off the shelf, put it on the counter, pay for it, leave. I'm like, oh my God, like I just got to play with this deck. Like I got to open this. I was so drawn to it. And mainly because I'm very connected to animals and I have been since I was a little girl, absolutely love animals, Um, always just felt very innately connected to them. And so I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why I was very drawn, like an animal deck. Yes. Like this speaks my language. And so I take the deck back to our Airbnb and, you know, open the guidebook and I'm, I'm reading through the, you know, the first few pages and Kim is kind of sharing a bit about her story. And, um, here in her story, she starts talking about slugs, how she's traveling on the East coast and constant slugs everywhere appearing for her. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm totally reliving her experience right now. This is exactly what's happening. And it was just the wildest thing. And then sure enough, as I start playing with the deck, you know, I pull the deer card. And what happens later that day? I see three deers. I pull the bear card and literally a bear 
runs by our Airbnb, like no word of a lie. Where we were staying, it was very like foresty and just so much nature. And we were like not far from the water and there was like bears in the area. And yeah, sure enough, I pull the bear card and the bear (laughs) runs by our Airbnb. And then I pull the eagle card. And of course, sure enough, our next hike, we are literally like 15 feet away from this bald eagle up in this tree and it's wild. Like it's massive. And it was like staring down at us, like you better back up. (laughs) And it was just crazy. It was like every card I was pulling, I was seeing it right in front of me within days, within the same day, like literally hours later, um, every card and reading that I would do for myself or for Gaytown, like it just felt so bang on. Um, and then since then, you know, I pretty much use the deck every single day. Um, I've went and got the Wild Unknown Tarot, which is her original tarot deck. And then I also got her archetype deck. Um, being in numerous ayahuasca ceremonies, there's a lot of talk about archetypes. And then when I saw Kim had the archetype deck, I was like, of course I have to get this deck. So I play around with her cards a lot. I love them when I've given readings to others. They've always, especially with that animal spirit deck, like it has literally always been bang on. And so I feel very much connected to her work. And so it's crazy to think that here I am, I've been pulling her cards for like the past year and her team reaches out to me a couple of weeks ago and are and they're like, Hey, you know, want to interview Kim? And I'm just like, what? Of course, like this is wild. Oh my God. I was so excited. And so I kind of feel like a little fangirl over here and just really excited to interview her. So our conversation today definitely gets very esoteric and uh, which I absolutely love. I asked him about, you know, those beginning stages of creating her tarot decks and how it kind of started. And did she ever think it was going to become a New York Times bestseller? And Was that ever a goal for her? Um, And I really just ask her about like, what was that fire that really ignited all of this? Um, We talk about her new upcoming deck for the Wild Unknown, which is the Alchemy deck. And I cannot wait to get my hands on that. Um, I I dive into, um, you know, and ask her about her creative process. Like, I really just want to get into her head and understand, like, where are you pulling these ideas from? How does this all come together? What does your creative process look like? And how do you even decide what is going in these decks? And, you know, how do you create it? What does it look like for you? Where are you drawing inspiration from? We talk about how to work with your cards. And I ask her about her daily ceremony or rituals and what that looks like for her in her life. So a really great conversation and really excited to have her here and really excited that it's episode number 200. So I really hope you guys enjoy this. And if you haven't gotten your hands on any of her decks, perhaps this will inspire you to get started with with tarot decks and, and oracle reading. So let's dive in. Enjoy. If you've ever wanted to make your own hemp milk at home, Eaton Hemp has made it really easy with their hemp milk creation kit. This kit comes with a reusable glass milk bottle, a cheesecloth so that you can strain out the milk, and a recipe card with instructions on how to make different flavors of hemp milk. Lately, I've been really conscious about making plant milks at home. I feel like there are just way too many ingredients and gums that are in those plant milks that you find at the health food store and the grocery store. And as much as I love them and they can be really convenient, it is so easy to just throw your hemp hearts into your blender, 
along with some water, vanilla extract, a little bit of sea salt, maybe a date to sweeten it, and you literally have the most delicious plant milk that is rich in omega-3s and protein and is loaded with minerals. And you can add it to your smoothies, into a coffee, and it's really easy to use. So head on over to eatenhemp.com, check out their hemp milk creation kit. It is only $7.99. You can use the coupon code wellnesswitch to save 20% off site-wide. And while you're there, check out my absolute favorite CBD oil. They are always transparent about their products. They're always organic. And I absolutely love their extra strength CBD oil. I take a full dropper full right before bed and it is just fantastic. Check them out if you are looking for a CBD oil that is high quality and something that's really going to help support your nervous system and support sleep as well as your mood and anxiety. Again, that coupon code is wellnesswitch. Save 20% off at eatenhemp.com. Hello, Kim. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive into our topic, our our conversation today. I feel like there's so much that I want to pick your brain on. And so before we do that, can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I am an art maker, artist first and foremost, very interested in different systems of esoteric knowledge and research and also practice. I'm a practitioner and I incorporate that into my drawings and I try to incorporate what I find through practice into my drawings. And so that somehow led me along a circuitous path to drawing the tarot deck in 2012 as a self-publish. And that ended up having a very wild trajectory and is now in, I think, like nine or 10 languages across the globe. And the Animal Spirit deck followed shortly thereafter. And then came the Archetypes deck. And now I'm here with you celebrating the soon-to-be launch of the fourth and final of the Wild Unknown series, which is the Alchemy deck and guidebook, which comes out in July this summer. Mm-hmm. So exciting. And I have all the other three, as you saw. <laughs> so excited to get my hands on the fourth one. So can you take us back a little bit of like, like, what was the fire that really ignited all of this? Like, were you ever like, I want to become a New York Times bestseller? Like, how did that even start? No, I did not want that. I did not have that in my thought. Um, I want I mean, the fire in me is to learn and grow and understand. And the esoteric teachings get me really fired up mm-hmm. because I want to test the theories. I want to know um, what works in these systems, what will actually help me as an artist and as a being, and what will help other people. So I'm a total tester. I just observe and I go to tons of different lineages and teachers. And I'm just there, I'm just there looking for what truly works. And at the time that I drew the tarot deck, that's what what I was about the tarot. What is this? Is this work? Is this going to help people? What is this system? How come it's stuck around for a couple of centuries? What's the deal with this, with this structure of 78 cards? And so I started to look at the images of existing decks 
and really wonder why are these images the ones that are sticking around? Why is this deck the best selling and most well known universal deck right now? And those images seemed outdated to me. And so I started experimenting, drawing my own images. And I would have people over and I would ask them, what do you, when you see this image, what do you think? When you see the, a buffalo with swords in it, what, what happens in your psyche? Like what, mm. what do you associate with the deer with the underneath the rainbow, you know, the daughter of pentacles. And so I just tested and tested, um, and asked people. And that, that is, I think my job is to really get down to the nitty gritty on like what how do images and concepts affect people? And how does a combination of image and concept lead us towards something we haven't seen yet in ourselves or seen yet in the world that can, that can become a kind of benevolent, um, guide or leading, leading image that carries us through. I think that's my job description. That's what I try to put in my taxes, but it's like, there's not enough room for the sentence. They're like, no, but really, what are you? That's that's my job. I'm an image. I'm an image researcher. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And so sort of your first experience into the esoteric world, like what did that look like for you? This is a great question around my first interfacing with esoterica. I think it's very important actually it didn't come from a book or scholarly research or pursuit or anything like that. It was a very intimate experience that I had after my grandfather passed and I was alone at the farm where I grew up and I went outside and I had a very, very surreal experience in nature with the spirit of my grandfather. I was probably like six or seven. And still to this day, I can't explain. I could tell you the story, sure. but I can't explain how it happened or what happened. And I, the most, most importantly, I cannot explain the feeling that was in the air that surrounded me on that day and was unlike any other air I had experienced before. And so something happened in me that day that became very attuned to that feeling tone in the air and very interested in finding it again and again because of how potent and healing it was and still is when I sink back into that memory and how I still can't unpack it. I still can't explain it. And so that in many ways has been my pursuit to find teachers or people or conversations or situations that are interested in the ever-changing portal, which, you know, death is a, a pretty reliable portal. It, it takes us there um, and birth does too. Mm-hmm. But what are the portals that we can find that take us to this other experience from the mundane to the very extraordinary um, the very, the very extraordinary experience of being alive and being connected to others beyond what we're rationally told is possible. So that changed me, that experience. And in a way I, I, I will probably never understand what happened that day, but, right. um, it sent me on a path and in a sense directed me towards what, what I believe is like my, my destiny here to to be in touch with that energy amazing and so i'm i'm going to assume 
you've been on many quests to reconnect to what that energy is. And you probably had many other experiences since then too. I did. And a lot of those came from art making. Um, that energy is mimicked in me um, or for me through through art making and drawing and observing and my hand drawing as I observe something. And then my very first drawing teacher whom I worked with for three years from when I was 15 to 18, I worked with her for four to five hours a day at, at a, an art school that I went to. Um, she She started to help me see that energy can be contained in line work and that if you draw enough and if you observe enough, your drawings will have an energy people don't understand, but they feel, and mm. that it's transportive, that the line will actually come alive. That's what she promised me. If you draw long enough, the line comes to life, and then you get to decide what you want to do with that living energy, and it will impact people. And so that the entire introduction of the the alchemy deck is is the guidebook is uh, an homage to her. The whole project is a dedication to her. Amazing. And um, in many ways, she was like the first alchemist that I met and the first artist who was interested in um, what's beyond just the art and the name of the artist or the fame of the artist, but thinking about the energetics within the material that impact the viewer, the consciousness that resides in the material. And I was like freaking 15, 16. I was like, what are you talking about? I just want to make out <laughs> with people and like sleep in, you know? And she was like, no, this is serious business. You wake up in the morning, you make your bed, you eat your oatmeal and you study the materials of your life. Mm. And that can be fun. And there's, you know, secrets are everywhere and knowledge is everywhere. However, the, the materials are calling you to tend to them and to, to do something with your life that you love. So she really, she really put me on the path that, that I, I, I now bow, you know, thank her every day in my practice and bow down to sure. the direction she gave me at such a young age. That's really beautiful. So at 15, obviously you're hearing this and you're just like, yeah, whatever, I just want to draw. Like when, when did this like click for you? When were you like, oh, like I really get this? You know, she, she put this idea into my mind. Like if you draw every day, the line will come to life. And I used to imagine myself like, I'm going to be in a cabin somewhere. I'm going to be drawing and it's going to be winter and the night and the moonlight. And at that, at some moment, the, the line will just come to life and like electrify right. the cabin. You can kind of see the image, right? Totally. And it wasn't like that for me. I just kept drawing. I just drew every day. I remember from my thesis show at, at Cooper Union for undergrad, I drew six drawings a day for one year. So it was 2,000 drawings. I had 2,000 drawings in my senior wow. show. And everyone's like, you're a little bit crazy. And I'm like, I know, but <laughs> I need to see what happens if I draw so much that I'm bored of drawing, but I keep drawing. And what's after, what comes next? Like what's, uh, it's, it's almost like Kundalini, uh, drawing in a sense. It's like, if you're doing a Kriya and you're holding your arms, you know, like in some weird totally. shape for 31 minutes, what happens? And that's how I've always been with drawing kind of naturally. So somewhere along the line, I got to the point where I was like, and I don't mean this in an ego way, but I was like, I can draw 
whatever I want to draw. My eye and my hand are trained and I can see and, and draw whatever. Mm-hmm. And with that, it's like, okay, well, what am I going to draw? Then? What is this going to be used for? If I've not to say mastered the technique, but I've got the technique underway. You know, it's like when the guitar player can like riff whatever they want. A really fascinating question comes like, then what? Right. And um, for me, I'm always sort of chasing that leading edge of like, what is the next? What is the next level I can get to with drawing and with writing or image making? And the, the alchemy deck is is born out of that in a lot of ways. The images, you know, I would sometimes just draw the cards according to an image I saw in in dream or meditation or yoga nidra. I very much tried to get myself and my ego out of the equation. The the alchemy the archetypes deck was mostly selected and drawn with a pendulum. So the decisions about the backgrounds and the colors, I was trying to really stretch the definition of like who's making this deck. And with alchemy, it's like I I asked the deck literally, like, what do you want? What cards do you want to be seen for this moment in time for these people that are going to be seeing it? You tell me. And that's been super fun for me. Um, I bet it sounds like a very meditative process. It's really, it's really bizarre because it's like an experiment. It it's almost like alchemy in and of itself because you're saying mm-hmm. like, here I am in my studio, experimenting and seeing what happens, and I have no idea what will happen. So, you know, thankfully, I'm in a position to be able to to do that, and I thank my publisher and my my support team that believes in me to kind of go out on that edge and hang out there where it doesn't totally make sense. Um, and I understand That's the beauty of it. Yeah. I, I understand the frustration of, you know, so much of our culture right now wants, they, they want the book, uh, you know, the book pitch is almost more important than the book itself. It's like people want to really understand what it is. And so much of my work as the wild unknown implies that the brand name, it really is about like not knowing, but trusting that if I put myself here with the intentions of enlivening benevolent images that help us, if I put myself in this strange liminal space, something's got to give and something's got to happen. Something will occur. And so I, I really feel like the alchemy deck has has that spirit in it. Has a very um, has the alchemist's spirit of curiosity and uh, reverence. Okay, ladies, I quickly want to chat about Organifi Harmony. This product is made to support healthy hormones and help minimize those PMS symptoms, and it's one of my absolute favorite Organifi products. I'm so happy they launched this. It contains some really amazing herbs and adaptogens for women's health, and it tastes delicious. It is a blend of cacao with herbs and adaptogens like shatavari and chase tree and maca, and you can serve it hot. That's how I like to enjoy it. 
I like to put one scoop into some warmed coconut milk and I mix that together. Sometimes I might add in a little bit of collagen powder and I'll just whip that up and heat it up and then I'll enjoy it in either the morning or sometimes in the evening when I'm wanting something a little bit chocolatey and I just want to like sit down and enjoy just like almost like a hot cup of chocolate, like hot chocolate. This is exactly what you're going to get. It really is like a decadent dark chocolate and it's super creamy and it's very rich and there's zero sugar. It's only monk fruit. So very lightly sweetened. And outside of maca and chase tree and shatavari, you are also going to find some other great herbs in here like stinging nettle, which is one of my absolute favorite herbs because it's so rich in so many minerals. And it is also packed with iron and it has vitamin A and C and it's very anti-inflammatory. You're also going to find turmeric and ginger and Ceylon cinnamon, as well as some coconut milk powder in there and acacia. This is sourced from the acacia tree and it actually promotes really good bacteria in the gut. And it's been also shown to decrease cholesterol and blood sugar levels. So I'm a really big fan of the Organifi Harmony. It tastes delicious. And like I said, you can enjoy it in the morning or maybe in the evening time, especially around your period. And if you find you're having a lot of symptoms and just discomfort, this is going to be a really great soothing blend and drink for you to enjoy. So head on over to Organifi.com forward slash wellness, which you are going to see all of my favorite products listed there, and you can use the coupon code wellness switch at checkout to save 20% off your next order. So yes, that's 20% off all of the Organifi products. Again, that link is Organifi.com forward slash wellness witch. Amazing. So let's talk about this new upcoming deck and like what it really signifies for you and what it's all about. Um wow I <laughs> it's interesting because it's the final deck of the Wild and Unknown series. It's the fourth, mm-hmm. fourth and final. And I feel in my heart, I know I have really done my due diligence with this project, this series. And alchemy in and of itself is so interesting because it's that pursuit, you know, often thought of as lead to gold. How do we turn what is lead, what is, you know, mundane into what is noble? noble being gold. And so sometimes alchemy gets described in this very linear way, like low to high or beginning to end. But the alchemy of our time, and I think the alchemy of all time, is is that of the circle and the Ouroboros in that when something completes itself, you know, the snake, the Ouroboros snake eats its own tail. It It almost eats itself and it dissolves and the new thing naturally emerges. So um, it's very funny to do an alchemy deck as the sort of, like one could call it the magnum opus, but it's not the magnum opus. Totally. Because the, to me, the magnum opus is the Ouroboros. It's the, it's the final act devouring itself in its own devotion to what is new, what is, what is wanting to become. And so as much as this feels like a completion, it also 
feels like a kind of undoing or, or falling apart of, of all of all of the yeah it's, of all it's the a combination of all of it I bet yeah yeah for sure well I was going to ask you like how do you know you're complete with it I, I'm I'm assuming it's just like you just know it's just a feeling you just have I just know because the tarot, I didn't know any of this at the beginning, but the tarot deck has its sister deck in both format and I, and in tone, which is animal spirit. They're the same shape. They, they sit together as opposites. One yeah. is black and one is white and they have the same card shape and a, a lot of similar packaging. It was a, it was a similar part of my life. I was at a similar space in terms of drawing and researching. And then archetypes came after I, I went to Pacifica Graduate Institute and studied Jungian uh, theory and, and alchemy and, and archetypes. And so it, has, it goes like dips way down. It's a much yes. deeper dive. Um, totally. And the cards are circular and the box, therefore, is square. It has a different feel. And then alchemy came as the sister to that deck. As the kind of final pairing, and it's this like bright, bright blue color. The cards are hex, hex shaped, like the beehive, like the cells of oh, yeah. the hive. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to me because then the cards can actually interlock together without a hierarchy of like upright or this rectangular format. But it's like it makes one. The cards touch and they make one field, which is very. Uh, it's a very different space in the brain that works with the hex shape interlocking compared to the rectangle or even the circle. I love that. I saw you posting images of it and I never even thought of it like that, that they can technically like connect, which makes me even more excited to want to pull cards from it because it's like you can almost like really tell a story with it I feel like yeah they literally touch and in the cards it's so interesting because so many of them are material based so there's a card that's like why is salt it's really about salt there's a card that's about iron you know iron that's in the world and also iron that's in our blood and iron that's related to the planet Mars so so then what happens when copper and salt touch each other or fog and and huh. and Venus touch each other. So it's very activating for the imagination to have the cards um, come that close to each other and connect. And I think it allows, um, you know, which alchemy does in and of itself, it allows us to get more into the metaphors of our life rather than taking things really personally and taking things very literally. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like, how do you actually sit down for the creative process to be like, this is the deck I'm creating. Like, where do you even start? I knew that it would be alchemy. I knew I was aimed towards that for the last couple of years. So while I was at Pacifica, I was just kind of absorbing and absorbing for a couple of years. And then the really, the really like terrible part is picking which cards get cut. Yep. Totally. It's like the worst because I, <laughs> I want all the cards, I want all the concepts, but I know also it can get really overwhelming. If there's too many cards, if these projects get too scholarly and too heady, and if I lose my contact with, you know, the, the 
15-year-old in Minnesota who's going to find this at a shop and just pulls a card. I don't want to lose them, you know. I need right. to keep the gateway open and so I can study all I want and then I have to let that like dissolve almost again like the Ouroboros. It goes back into the work. It just shows up in the pen work. It shows up in the description of the card. I don't have to literally sort of, you know, fly my flag of scholarly uh, pursuits and shut people out. So it's it's partially picking cards that I think, and that's why I ask the deck, like, what is the most important image of this time? What are the materials for this moment that that people need to remember through this deck? What are the planets? What are the colors? What are the concepts in alchemy? Just show me them. Mm -hmm. And and so does that come to you in a in imagery? No, it comes to me in like long ass lists that are all over my studio walls for like months, and me sadly like crossing things off and being like, oh, I if we're gonna if Chiron's gonna be in the deck, then like this other concept about the the white fox is not gonna be in the deck. It's crazy. It is seriously crazy. Like this creative process you go through. <laughs> and I'd, <laughs> I'd love to just dive deeper into it a little bit more. Like, give us this visual of you creating and having these ideas in front of you. Like, what does this all actually look like? Um, in my studio, it looks like there's watercolors all over. There's pens all over. There's especially with the alchemy deck, there's collage all over. So I have this like really amazing um, kind of filing cabinet. It's small. It's this little like jewelry organizational thing that has all these tiny, tiny drawers and they all have different cutout pieces of color and um, little blingy collage bits. And mm -hmm. so you'll see through the alchemy deck, there's a ton of these pieces from magazines and books and what have you. So it's a matter of like holding the concept in my mind, holding the feeling tone of the concept in my mind. I'm just looking at the, the back of the card, the, the, the back of the alchemy deck where there's some cards. Well, why don't I just actually open the, the deck and then deciding like, okay, does this image want to be drawn or watercolored or collaged? And what is, what can I do here so that a person can look at the image and get the sensation? Uh, not so much look at the image and know intellectually what's happening, but right. uh, know on this sort of visceral level, which is a very mysterious terrain to be in. For all of my health and wellness practitioners out there, if you are wondering what it takes to become a successful practitioner in the health and wellness space, and if you're curious if it really just relies on a sound resume or a solid business plan, or is there more to it than just that, I suggest diving deeper into the professional self-development workshop that is offered through the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition in Ottawa. This virtual workshop addresses many aspects of professional development. It addresses personal limitations, 
therapeutic communications and ethics, and the relational aspects of a practice. In order to be a successful practitioner, we need to find where our joy meets the world's needs. We have to continually work on ourselves to become more self-aware and to develop a sense of self that is in the right relationship with others so that we can really guide them to transformation. Check out the virtual workshop, the professional self-development workshop offered by CSNN so that you can start fostering self-development and the right relationship with yourself and with others. To learn more, head on over to csnnottawa.ca forward slash advanced dash workshops. I don't know if it's helpful to like look at an actual card or. I mean, I definitely think you can share, especially we do share part of these clips up to YouTube. So okay. to give people some insight into your new deck that I'm sure they're all really excited for. I mean, you have been posting them over on Instagram too. So I've seen some amazing images. I think just, let's just go with the, with the Mercury card. Mm. So the Mercury card, a lot of people would think about Mercury and Mercury retrograde and communication. It's kind of like the first layer of what people might be thinking of. Right. There's also in, in, in esoteric teachings, the idea that Mercury is in the, the pinky. So all of the planet cards have this gold sphere on the location of the hand, uh, where the energy of that planet is said to reside. Again, this isn't something I'm saying it resides there. I'm saying let's experiment yeah. with this concept. Let's test this out. Does Mercury reside in the pinky? Like <laughs> for real people? Does it? Yes. Yeah. Is, is this real? <laughs> but in, in Kundalini, you'll find all these meditations that have to, I do one every night for 11 right. minutes for, for Mercury, for my communication, for my, it's very specific. It's for, for the tongue tip of the tongue to communicate the concepts that are in the the center central fire of my being that my truth that my navel center is expressed to my tongue that's what this meditation is supposed is supposed to do so i do it and i wonder does this work in this podcast am i communicating more clearly what's in the from the center of me so anyways right. this card then it starts to imply that it starts to like hint towards like there's something projected into and out of the pinky finger that has this clear distinct light and some people associate this like color green with with mercury but while making the card i'm kind of trying to like incorporate all of these ideas um and meanwhile talking about like the energetics of the planet itself in the description mm -hmm. of the card so that's how this card ends up looking this way. And then its counterpart is then um, all of the planets in the deck have a counterpart of the metal that's associated with that right. um, planet, supposedly, again. <laughs> and I'm having trouble finding it, but... Oh, that's okay. That, that Mercury card is beautiful. And so when somebody is pulling your cards, like what is it that you really want them to know when they're sitting down with your deck and they're pulling cards 
they're asking questions or they're looking for answers. Like, what do you really want them to know? Um, it's a great way of putting that question. I don't want them to know anything. I want mm. them to go somewhere. Right. Here's, here's the counterpart to the, to the Mercury card. Um, so I tried to link these two, the planets and the metal associated with them. Of course, with the planet Mercury, the metal is Mercury as well, but I have it right, listed right. here as Quicksilver. So that people can sort of intuitively sense that there's some uh, link between these two things. And then again, the question is to contemplate that. And I'm not telling them that there is, but for them to sort of wonder about the mercury. When you break open a thermometer and the mercury spills, it disperses, mm -hmm. it's trickster, it's, it's very hard to pin down. And that mercurial energy is in mercury. It's in the circuitry of of all of the the electronics and the highways and the internets of our world. Yeah. And so to start to sense that quality of mercurial energy and want to build a relationship with it, not be scared of it and oh mercury retrograde, but like how can I how can I become friends with this energy? And so to go back to your question around what do I want people to know when they pull a card from one of my decks. I, I want them to know nothing when they look at it and to have a kind of openness and to go somewhere. So I think of the cards very much as like doorways. And if people draw the Mercury card and they don't know anything about Mercury, they're like, I don't know, it sounds kind of flaky, a planet, who cares, whatever. Right. That, that perhaps they hold this image of mercury with curiosity and a kind of reverence like let's just see what happens if i contemplate this a bit in my right. life right and so i get really stoked when people use a single card for a long period of time a week a single card a week a mm -hmm. month a year and really get in there right and Ask the image of the card, what, what wants to be known, what wants to be seen. You know, if, if people are familiar with Jungian therapy, there's a practice called active imagination where you actually just speak to, you give the things a moment to speak to you. You have a conversation with it. Mm -hmm. That's when I get really excited. Uh, when people start using the decks in these unconventional ways, not like I need to know everything about the tower card. Cause if we knew the tower card, it would not be the tower card. The tower card <laughs> always knows just a wee bit more than we do. And that's what makes it so freaking devastating. And that's what makes it regenerate our entire life. Right. If we know it doesn't have that effect. Right. So I think in the intro of the alchemy deck, I go into this, like this idea of not knowing and the power of beginner's mind. And I think that can be brought to all of the decks. And I hope that I have that with my decks and with my practice, my practices. That's a prayer that I have, that I can continue to have beginner's mind. For sure.
and um, continue to kind of like turn the thing on its head and not just say, well, this teacher told me that. And it's like, well, let's, let's test the theory. Right. Let's explore it. Yeah. 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 I, and I definitely, when I'm using your decks, like I go with that type of intention and that type of energy. It's not just this like, must have this answer for this one thing. And, and, you know, it's, it's like showing up with this kind of playfulness a little bit, like, let me explore this. And, and I definitely, I have this like card box where I, when I pull cards, I display them and I leave them out. And I kept pulling the justice card over and over Mm. and over. Like it didn't matter how many times I shuffled or whatever I did with it, that card kept getting pulled. And I'm like, okay, it wants to stay here. Like it needs to stay here and show me something. So I'm going to leave this here. And I left it out for an entire month and I would just look at it. And it's like every day there was this new message, this new information that I got from it. And it's almost like I felt like complete with it. And then when I went to go pull cards again, like it didn't show up for the longest time. And it was just like, okay, I think that was part, maybe part of the message was like, I really needed to work with this message and this imagery and work through that and get to completion with it before I could kind of move on. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's just a Google search. We're in the Google search (laughs) game. It's like, I can look up any of this stuff. It's, it's, it's information. It's totally, it's meaningful in the way the information is meaningful, but I'm, I'm here for an experience. And I want people to have an experience with these cards. And a way to do that is to start with beginner's mind and to be patient. And so it sounds like what you did is really interesting and and serves that. Let's have an experience with the justice card. Mm -hmm. Let's, Let's work with it long enough that it gets frustrating and boring. And one of my favorite teachers, Michael Mead, I'm, I'm, I'm botching his quote here. This is verbatim, but it's like one of the most important uh, ingredients in ritual is boredom. If you don't reach mm-hmm. that point where you're bored, yeah. then you don't drop down into this new terrain of what what happens after the justice card, after I think I know everything about it and it's boring right. now. And you can go into a space that's has all of this new information these new experiences new sensations and i think that's what the game is that's where i've found the most healing in myself definitely i i would agree with you there and to go back to the mercury card that's a concept in a card now that i've done my and continue to do my practice around mercury i now have a much different relationship with it than i did even when I drew the deck, I was more just relying on other research about Mercury. What does it really mean? You know, books I'd read. If I were to write this now about Mercury, I feel like I could write a whole book about it, you know? Probably. <laughs> and, um, and that's when things get really exciting. You realize how much, how much of a meditation and how much presence all of these uh, elements and all of these uh, sort of aspects of our life, they're all teachers. They're all such great teachers. For sure. Absolutely. I love that. 
So I'm so curious to know how how you work with your cards. Like what does your practice or your ceremony really look like for you? Um gosh. I have a a practice now that I'm sort of researching and developing that is not card based, but it's very similar. And like I can't say that much about it because it's not an existing <laughs> thing yet. Okay. Um I feel like this is too vague. I'm being too vague. <laughs> it's a, it's okay. a thing that I hope to share with people in in a, in a maybe a year or two. I hope that it will exist and be available. But it's it's like if you were to take the images out somehow of the, all the decks that I've made and they become these like um, freeform concepts. So I have like a system for that that I use now. Very cool. Um, and I, what I can say that's more concrete about my practice mm -hmm. is, and I don't know if you mean my, just my spiritual practice in general or my practice with the cards. I think both would be really interesting to dive into for sure. My my spiritual practice in the or the tools or actual techniques that I use um in the morning and in the night time, sometimes through the day if I can like get it together, are are breath breath based and mantra based and um image image based and prayer based. Those are sort of the four components of my practice. And I've studied a lot of different types of yoga and and meditation and and so i i think very much of it as making a collage i take a bit of breath work from here and i take this prayer right. from over there and this recitation and really it's just been for me lately about finding the resonance that really serves me and and practices i love you know there's a couple of them that are a little bit of a bite where i'm like ah 11 minutes of doing this thing and i kind of like kind of is a grind but i know sure. that the feeling i have afterwards is like oh that's my essential self coming to life today so i'll do that practice even though it's uncomfortable but there has to be a component of it that i love enough that gets me like to the mat so to speak and gets me to light the candle and then I can delve into it. But I do a lot of chanting. I do a lot of chanting more and more um, the last few years, working with words and language and sound. Uh, I play the piano a lot. And um, yeah, actually, I have a record coming out soon. One of the reasons why Alchemy is the fourth and final deck is because there's so many other creative things that I want to do. For so sure. I... Um, I have a record coming out soon and one of the songs actually is is a is to Mercury. It's 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 called Mercury. And it's very much as a result of my my um my contemplation on on that planet and its qualities. And and it's it's that planet but it's also, you know, the god the mercurial god Hermes, the hermetic the the hidden. It's the spirit of the hermit card in the tarot. It's that which is hidden, and and that kind of archetype is very, very important to me and very beautiful. So, um, yeah, it's so bizarre that we're talking about Mercury this whole time, but yeah. <laughs> that's okay. There's definitely like 
a real connection that you have there and something that really needs to come through with it. So I think that that's important to just share and get it out. Yeah, I think all the planets are very, they get very, very misunderstood. I mean, imagine poor Saturn. <laughs> it's crazy. I feel so bad for Saturn. What a stabilizing, structuring, containing, allowing force Saturn is. And everybody just bitches about Saturn. <laughs> it's like, it, I just, I feel like bad. That's so funny. You know, I see like, like the, the benevolent side of Saturn as, as being one that knows, sounds a little far out, but knows the pain it cause, causes and, it, and, and, and weeps. So I think of Saturn as like a, the weeping father that has that has a lot to be forgiven and wants to be forgiven for and right. so that's my prayer with saturn is like i try to get right up in there and i'm like okay how can i be how can we be gentle with each other how can i be reverent and in awe of everything that the structuring forces of saturn have brought into our lives right and so i i try to get really I try to get really intimate with these things beyond the information that's available like online or on Insta about like whether it's astrology or archetypes or tarot, we got to get beyond the information and get, have an experience with the card, have an experience with the archetype that is unique to us because in a way these planets and Archetypes are waiting for us to open them back up so they don't get shut down and stereotyped like everything else in our culture. It's really time for us to be like very present with these concepts. Mm -hmm. And then they move from concept to experience. And then I can hold, hold tolerance for Saturn in my relationships. I can hold, I can hold a love for the nature of Mercury. And how slippery it is, how it never allows me to define myself, but rather I get dispersed back into everyone else at some point. I don't get to define uh, others because Mercury is always there saying, nope, nope, that person can be flipped on their head and become someone else. You don't get to know them fully. So I think that's the power of that that's the power of these concepts that's why i'm interested in like making these decks so that people can play around with the concepts over a long period of time right and i think that's why i've been so drawn to them because they're not just surface level there's so much deeper to them and you've clearly put so much time and energy into them and just so much depth to them which is why i feel like i'm so drawn to them Thanks. so i thank you for that yeah thank you Thank you. So I'd be so curious to know, like, what are the things that actually pull you out of alignment? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> like, <laughs> just at every moment, there's like a bajillion potential puller outers of alignment. I bet. Yep. <laughs> Dispersal of energy is major. Um, well, I don't feel like I kind of can collect, can collect the energy into myself whether that's from just fatigue or output or distraction or 
discordant situations. Um, you could also say lack of confidence or self-esteem will, will, will really get me. It's like a, a huge energy drain. For sure. And so, you know, then there's just the nuts and bolts like travel or like dis discordant hormones and relationship, those types of things. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I think the the dispersed or diffused energy is major right now in our in our culture. And for me, mm -hmm. uh, just feeling like it's almost splattered everywhere. It's going right. nowhere, but you're just offering it here and there. And you're like, oh, my God, I have to pay attention to this now and that now. So totally. <clears throat> I think that's one of the qualities I try to look for in my own practices is what summons the energy back into my body. So I actually feel confident and resilient and, and like gentle towards self and other. That's like totally. the quality I'm looking for with the practice. I can definitely relate to that for sure. It's just like that dispersed energy and constantly having to remind myself to like pull, like pull myself back in, like, you know, contain that energy within. Um, I can definitely share like in different plant medicine ceremonies and whatnot that I've been in, man, my mind is racing a mile a minute. And it, the lessons that I always get from those, I'm just like, oh my God, is this how busy my brain is? Like all. Oh the time this is exhausting you know and it's just this constant like my thoughts going out here and worrying about this and thinking about this and it's like i need to pull it back and then two seconds later it's back out there again and like gotta pull it back it's just this like sometimes erratic thinking and that's so draining to me i have to really be with that and really work through that thinking because i can i could just be exhausted by it but i can be exhausted by it by the end of the day yeah and also like what those thoughts are, the content of the thoughts. And for me, there's this un underlying pulse of there's something wrong with you. Something has to be fixed. There's something totally. wrong with you. Something has to be yeah. fixed. And it's like, it, and then realizing that is part of the game. But if that's the underlying pulse, then it's super exhausting mm -hmm. because you're constantly in fix it mode. Totally. So just discovering those, that pattern is like pretty, pretty mega. And even, you know, if you think about that as a new filter for using the cards or using the deck or the images and thinking like, well, what if there's nothing to be fixed about this Mercury card? What if I can just be with it? What if mm -hmm. I can kind of sink into its embrace what is its medicine it has to give me rather than oh i got the mercury card so now i need to go do this and this and this and this and that it <laughs> right. means this is wrong in my life like when we start using the decks as like a uh, diagnostic of what's wrong totally. like what if we flip that on its head and say and and really asking for like what's the embrace we need what's the kind of medicine we can soften into and how can how can mercury hold me i love that yeah and i think that's also a reason why i love to pull cards too because it's it's also an opportunity for me to be really present 
and just focus on that, that one thing, that one card in front of me and really work with that versus having this like crazy racing brain. So that's, it's part of my sort of ceremony and my ritual and practice is to be with the cards. I try to be with them every day. Cause again, it's just something that allows, it's just part of my practice, right? It's what allows me to kind of show up for myself yeah, in a way. Yeah. And I, I guess it, it seems appropriate to bring up too, just the contemplation of looking at the image, you know, without the book as its own sort of meditation, you know, supposedly you can like meditate on a squash and become like enlightened or pumpkin or whatever it is. I can't remember. That's awesome. But I love that. Hopefully the images themselves, I mean, that's at least my prayer for these decks is the images themselves have enough sort of energy within them that one can simply do like an eye gazing technique and and stare at the image and get information or get a kind of healing energy from it Mm -hmm. that it's not like look at the image and then rush to the guidebook and then do something like right (laughs) now you have to go do a bunch more stuff in your life right that sitting with that justice card like you were referring to earlier and simply sitting with those pairs of opposites the intertwined cat's tails the black Mm -hmm. and white and being with that has its own you know that drishti that that gaze gazing upon a fixed gaze upon a certain subject has its own healing energy to it yep i definitely agree with you on that and i don't mean to be flaky like healing energy like it has its own intent intelligence and intention for us like it's it's leading us somewhere i mean that's a big script flipper for me is when I studied Jungian psychology and and started thinking like oh I'm not making this image it's making me Mm. it has as much intelligence and aliveness and hope as I do and it's messaging me it's coming towards me it's pulling me I'm not pulling the card, it's pulling me. Right. And that is so cool because it gets us out of this constant dominant doer attitude and it lets us it allows us to allow the card or the concept to have its time on the stage. And we can watch it. We can be in the audience and observe what's the story here. Absolutely. I love that. Um, So I'd love to take it back just a little bit, just going back to when you created your first deck and you said, because you self-published it, right? So you self-published it and then, and then what happened? Like it took on the life of its own in a sense and the momentum of that, like what happened there and what was that experience like for you? The deck came out and I printed a thousand copies and they sold, they sold in the first few days and then we ordered more Mm -hmm. and they sold and 
I became like a shipping from my studio company. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it was challenging and exciting. And I remember when I first opened Insta, this is when Insta was kind of just starting. Right. And I opened Insta and I saw the first tattoos from the deck. Mm-hmm. And I had this big, big flash feeling. I was like, oh, this is going to go wide. And this isn't about me. Those two thoughts were like the same thought almost. Right. And my job is to tend to this until I find the people that can help it go wide. But I, I knew in that moment, this is going to be on Amazon. And that's not my dream, but it's going to be because it wants to be. And that's the trajectory I'm working with here. So I have to shepherd this thing safely on that path. And then at some point I'll be released. And so I shepherded it and Mm -hmm. it was a blessing. And also it was hard. I was, you know, making a lot of other art at that time. And I was playing in a band at that time. And I, I quit the band. I had a lot of, a lot of anxiety, had a lot of anxiety attacks actually at that time because I, for sure suddenly was like this businesswoman with this brand. And I was like, what? I'm just an artist. And then there's these orders coming in and this new financial situation and employees. And it was wild. But I knew that this has its own sort of cap in terms of time. And I need to tend to it. And it's going to be completed. In a sense, I feel alchemy is the final completion of that ask. You know, when I made the tarot deck, something happened and it then asked me, make the animal spirit deck, make alchemy or make archetypes and then make alchemy. And now I feel like, oh, I did my thing. <laughs> like I told my agent, like, I, I did. I completely did the thing that, yeah. that the decks asked me to do. And, and so long, long story short, it was three years later of self-publishing and self-distributing mm-hmm. that Harper Collins came along and said, uh, we want to put the deck out on a more global scale and you can get back to making art again. And I felt like they were the right match. At that time, it was Claudia Butote and Libby Edelstein, who I just forever am, am, you know, so grateful for their, for their attention to detail and support of the deck. And they, they then put it out and it hit the New York Times list, um, bestsellers list when it came out in 2016. It, it came out the same day that Donald Trump was elected as president, October, or November 6th or whatever it was in 2016. Wow. So that was four years, almost to the date, four years after I self-published. Oh my God. I love that story. Yeah. So when people ask me like, what can I do? I need to, this thing that I'm making to go wide. I'm like, you have like four years. <laughs> yeah. You got to give it time. I mean, everyone has their own story and their own trajectory. And some people's thing takes four days and some four decades, yeah. but it's, it's a very mysterious path. And in some ways it's like listening to the content itself and tending to it. I just knew I got to tend to this thing. I didn't intend to be a tarot artist. <laughs> I was just right. a visual artist. I was selling work in galleries. I was playing shows. I was on, you know, tours opening for bands and I just wanted to make art. I didn't care what kind of art it was. And suddenly I was kind of 
thought of and am still thought of as a, as a tarot artist. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I was so called to ask you that question because I know, I know so many people are probably thinking it too. Like how, like, how does, how does that happen? Right. What does your story and your journey look like? And I'm always so intrigued by that. And I think it's so important to share that because I think it's so easy from the outside looking in for people to be like, well, it's just so easy for them. No. Oh, just, that just happened overnight. It's like, not really. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, it's a total misconception of our culture, not to mention like the things that we're then posting about it don't show that like, oh, by the way, I was breathing into a paper bag on the floor because I suddenly had like 45 wholesale shops to invoice and I never invoice. What's What's a, wow. um, what's it called? Like a net 30. What's net 30? Like, <laughs> I, don't know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just like an art kid. And so we don't get the full story. And in, in some mm-hmm. ways that, that makes, that's makes the challenge of comparing ourselves to others even, even harder. Um, and I don't want to just keep going on about how it was hard for me, but I also made the mistake of having my primary partner become my business partner and kind of my main assistant. And that was a, that was a 12 year lesson that that ended in eventually a, you know, separation from, from marriage, um, because, because we were trying to make ends meet and, and, and he started working for me. And that was a, a mistake I'll never make again. And a lesson, a lesson hard learned, for sure. Everyone doing the best they can, but I know, I know those things now. And in a way the deck and the wild unknown have taught me all of these things. So that's beautiful. I appreciate you sharing that and being honest about it. Thank you. So last question for those who want to get started with tarot and they're like, I don't know, like, do I pull one card? Like, how do I actually do this? And just they're overthinking the process. What would you say to them? Where do they start? I would say, gosh, that's such a good question. There's so many potential answers. I see like five <laughs> potential answers. Oh, you can share all uh, five if you want. <laughs> I would say, well, a fun answer is go get a tarot reading by someone else. Hmm see what images come up and see what feelings you have about it. Do you like it? Do you like being there with the person? Do you, what, what, what cards stand out to you? That's one way because it's not always about readings for ourselves. We can also interact with the cards with others. Totally. And just, you know, more of a receiving of, of a reading. One of the first readings I got was just extremely powerful. And seeing her with the cards that I could tell she had a relationship with these images and these cards, both physically, the physical cards, sort of esoteric images, and then also with me and my energy bringing forward some of the cards. So you start to get into the sort of matrix. You got to get into the matrix of the tarot somehow. And that's one way to do it is to totally. go to a reading and just observe. Well, that totally fell flat or that was 
wild. There were certain moments where I felt the images had these things to say, or the person knew these things. So that's one access point. Another access point is just go straight through the art. Find a deck that looks and feels like it summons certain energy in in you. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like, I really like how this one looks. It just looks like me in kind of a trendy way. No, look for a thing that reminds you of your dreams. It reminds you of memories. It reminds you of certain quality of your life that you might describe as like, there's just something about that deck. You can't quite pinpoint it because if something is pinpointable, it probably won't last very long. Right. So I would look for the phrase, there's just something about that deck. And then the third option I'll give is the same phrase, but there's just something about that card. So if you have a deck already, you could just work with one card. There's just something about that card that speaks to me. And then be so slow and patient with it. This isn't memory. This isn't the memory game or memorization. We aren't, right. we aren't Wikipedia, Tarotpedia. This is not the game. The game is so subtle and slow, and it's an energy game. It's about reading information that's visible on one hand through the cards and invisible at the same time. And in order to do that, we have to practice one of the main kind of sayings that's in alchemy is more will be revealed. And one door opens the next. So if you think about the cards as doorways, you open one door and you pull one card. And then you work with it. And one more door opens and you keep going deeper and deeper inside the card. And so we can get pressure to think we have to understand all 78 cards of the tarot deck to glean any information i need to know how to do the eight card reading or whatever (laughs) right just stay with just stay with one Mm -hmm. and maybe you go to three and then you go back to one yeah and then you put two cards together and you think about them like siblings you think like is the energy magnet what's the polarity here are these teammates or are these rivals are they lovers or are are they discordant? And so I think one step at a time with so much with so much patience and and reverence is is key. Absolutely. I that was that. only three options, but I'll yeah, leave that was the, three. I'll leave <laughs> the other the two for another time. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. So tell us where we can get your newest deck and when it's available. I think you're on pre-sale right now, right? We're on pre-sale, which is exciting. Um, and I'm offering an alchemy workshop um, that will happen for people who pre-order the deck. Um, and that's June. I think the workshop is June 10th. Don't quote me on that, but the deck comes out, I think, on the 6th. and then there's the workshop is very specific. I'm really excited about it. It's not so much 
uh, lay of the land with a deck, but it's about activating the decks. So we're going to do a specific practice that allows us to bring to life the deck we all just received in the mail. So I think your question that you were asking beforehand around, you know, someone's new to tarot, what do they do to kind of get into it? I think activating a deck is really, really helpful practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's tons of Google searching one could do on that as well. But the practice we'll do is very much specific to the alchemy deck. It's a way that I know I activated the deck in drawing it by doing this practice so that I trust that if people do that same thing in their own way with their own content, that they're going to activate the thing and hopefully it comes alive and the readings are just a little bit more resonant and that the relationship between the user and the cards has more ease and uh, communication between the two. So, well, that sounds like fun. I definitely want to be there for that. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's 90 minutes. It should be good. There's a Q&A at the end too. It's with it's moderated by my dear dear friend Tracy Stanley, so it'll be um it'll be really cool. Amazing. Awesome. Well, we will have all the links to everything in our show notes where everybody can go grab it. And then where can everybody connect with you and find you? Oh, uh, you can find me my my personal feed on Insta Kim underscore crowns and then the wild unknown has its feed too so you'll find crossover um between the feeds but I'm I tell a more personal personal tale on my on my Insta. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and for being with us today. Thanks so much, Samantha, for your great question. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Kim. And if you would like to get your hands on the alchemy deck and even her other Oracle decks, head on over to thewildunknown.com. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you know anybody who can benefit and enjoy today's episode, we would love it if you can share it with them. Have an epic day and I'll chat with you all next week. Take care. Thank you so much for being with me today. If there's anybody that you know that can benefit from today's episode, please share it with them. And if you haven't yet left us a rating and a review, we would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. I'll connect with you next week.